Hello and welcome to ACS Chemical Biology's podcast for December 2014. I'm Jay Suarez, Acquisitions Editor for the Journal. The current issue of ACS Chemical Biology comprises 26 articles, including review articles from Itaru Hamachi and Chris Walsh, respectively. The latest issue also contains a paper by John Perona, who reports an advance of significant interest to synthetic biologists. I have John here on the phone to tell us more about the article. Hi, John. Hi, how are you doing? Good. So to start off with, could you start off by commenting on the usefulness of incorporating non-canonical amino acids into proteins? Sure. So the great value of this technology is that we can put in non-canonical amino acids at defined sites in proteins using the cell's protein synthesis apparatus and simply adding to it. And some of the applications that are most exciting are, for example, the introduction of optical probes using fluorophores, modified amino acids that will fluoresce in cells that will allow the localization of proteins inside of cells and the tracking of those proteins. Another kind of example is to use photocrosslinking, introduce an amino acid, for example, parabenzoyl L-phenylalanine, BPA, which will do photocrosslinking either in vitro or in vivo. And this allows much more stable links than, for example, non-covalent interactions like tap tags. And uh, you can identify binding partners in the cell that way. So those are two of the useful applications. Okay, great. So what are the drawbacks to currently available methods for incorporating these non-canonical amino acids? Okay, well, essentially the technology is based on a two-step genetic selection, which can be carried out either in E. coli or in yeast, and this was pioneered by Pete Schultz's groups. And the technology requires that you have uh, first what's called orthogonality, that is to say, into these cells one introduces a new tRNA and a new tRNA synthetase, and the endogenous protein synthesis machinery of the cell should not interact with that 21st pair that is introduced. So that's the first requirement. And then the other requirement is that a library be generated and a two-step genetic selection is done to select for proteins or synthetases that are actually able to incorporate the non-standard amino acid. But the drawbacks for this technology, uh, first of all, it's only really been possible in any sort of broad sense to use two different amino acid tRNA synthetase scaffolds, the tyrosine and the pyrolysine, to use as a platform to introduce non-standard amino acids. So there's a limitation associated with the small number of available tRNA synthetase scaffolds. Also, the sizes of the libraries, just on inherent sort of limitations in the genetic selection technology, the sizes of the libraries are quite small. And uh, even more important than that is that researchers really have not known where the best place to mutate in the tRNA synthetases is, so where to put the libraries. And so they've simply chosen to mutate directly in the amino acid binding pocket. And then finally, another drawback is that one needs to use very high concentrations of non-canonical amino acids in these experiments and often overexpressed tRNAs in the proteins in the cell. And so what we have is an ability to make protein in the cells to do some limited experiments, but we don't really have well-functioning components of an engineered cell that would be sort of more broadly applicable to a much more broadly engineered cell. What synthetic biology sort of envisions is sort of regenerating you know, a cell you know, in a much more sort of large-scale way. Right. So in your current paper, then, you report the engineering of a bacterial glutaminal tRNA synthetase to aminoacylate tRNA with a non-cognate glutamate. How was this achieved? Well, what we wanted to do was really shake up this technology and try to overcome some of these limitations I just mentioned. And what we wanted to do is use our 
knowledge of really the structural entomology of amino acyl tRNA synthetases that we've worked on for many years in the lab. And so it's a rational approach, and it depends on bioinformatics of uh, very large databases of amino acyl tRNA synthetase and tRNA sequences. And so we took our favorite enzyme, which is specific for glutamine in E. coli, and we were able to use the enzyme, engineer it to be able to accept glutamate instead of glutamine. And so we had to do bioinformatics exhaustively on enzyme sequences and tRNA sequences. And then we had to solve some other technical problems associated with expressing what became toxic proteins because they would incorporate the wrong amino acid. So we had to express in the periplasm. And then we had to use some fairly novel kinetic approaches involving the use of unlabeled amino acid and labeled tRNA so that we could really use very high concentrations of amino acids in these experiments. And so, you know, what we were able to really find in these experiments is that the amino acid binding determinants are exclusively in the protein, but they're sort of dispersed in the protein. But the catalytic elements of the synthetase also are part of the tRNA. And so the real design idea was that we couldn't do it by subtractive mutagenesis, and we wanted to rebuild the whole scaffold so that when we got to the point where we could actually start to see the new activity, as we added further changes and mutations into the overall protein RNA complex, we were able to do that and really have a positive readout for what was an important specificity determinant, you know, instead of simply mutating and seeing effects subtractively and having to guess from that. Right. So on a broader scale, what would you say are the most significant advances to come out of this paper? Well, first I would say that our approach is likely generalizable to all the tRNA synthetases because they're all quite large proteins binding similarly shaped tRNAs and then engaging in sort of mutual induced fit to get to the point where they can actually do the catalytic reaction of amino isolation. So I think the most significant advances are that, as I mentioned, that the amino acid binding is determined by protein alone, but that the determinants for the amino acid binding specificity, which is relevant to the non-canonical technology, are really very broadly delocalized throughout the second half of the catalytic fold in the, in the Rossman fold. And so you're not going to be able to get there and get efficient enzymes if all you do is mutate directly in the pocket the way that folks doing the genetic selections have done. And then we've also shown that the RNA is an important catalytic element, and we found these catalytic determinants in perhaps the most unlikely place imaginable in the tRNA core region, the globular core region of the tRNA that is not involved in binding protein at all, and yet that's a key element in catalysis. So what we were able to come up with is a four-step strategy for rational engineering which could be applied to any sort of pairs of synthetases, but it does depend on the bioinformatics database, which you don't have for the non-canonicals. So what we're suggesting is that we could use the, the findings of this work on these model systems to apply to the non-canonical approach to be able to select for more efficient tRNA synthetases, which is really the limiting factor in that approach now. And so what we would suggest doing is building sets of scaffolds for the tyrosine and the pyrolysine enzyme systems. And both of those emanate from methanogens and are expressed in E. coli or yeast. And use the principles in our paper to build sets of scaffolds and you know, one can easily imagine building dozens of different sets of scaffolds for each of these by variations in the rational design. And then you'd have many, many more individual enzymes that you could then use your library power within the context of an already engineered framework. And so all of these different engineered frameworks will be subtly different 
from each other and give the capacity to introduce different non-canonicals than we presently can and also to do it much more efficiently. That sounds great, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. That's it for this month's show. Join us again next month for more ACS Chemical Biology highlights and interviews with our authors. To learn more about the journal, please visit us at pubs.acs.org forward slash journal forward slash ACS Chemical Biology. Thanks to all of you for listening.